This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Things off on a Thursday edition of Sportsnet today. Logan Gordon along with you on opening day of the Major League Baseball season. NHL playoff races continue to heat up across the league. Lots to get to on a busy program today. Thanks for tuning in, whether it be live or on your favorite podcast catcher. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Joined by my outstanding production team of Cam and Taylor on this Thursday afternoon. Minions, how are we today? Doing good, buddy. How are we doing? So early for me. But it's opening day, Taylor. It's opening day. You gotta be excited. The excitement will come. Woo! We are moments away from first pitch in New York. Yankees and Giants. We've got the Jays and the Cardinals on your airwaves later today on Sportsnet 960. One of the best times on the sporting calendar is officially underway we'll talk uh, all things opening day with our pal adnan verk a little bit later on mlb network nhl network the cinephile podcast uh you know him, you love him. he does a little bit of everything uh in the sports world but let's kick things off like we always do heading down the atlas beach and sports bar guest hotline saying hello to the color voice of the calgary flames he joins us every single day to kick off the program he is peter labardius and he's brought to you by the gemini group home renovations the Gemini Group knows your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference, now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, sir? Isn't it still morning? It is still the morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, the reason I asked is I had to check. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I had to check. Because no. I really, these days, I don't know what time it is, where I am. <laughs> It's all good. <laughs> How are you doing I know on Thursday? I'm preparing for another game somewhere. That's all I know. I bet you are. Um, before we get started, obviously, Flames practice day today. They're back in action tomorrow in Vancouver against the Canucks. Um, I know as you are, uh, I've known you for a while now, Lou. You're a big uh, baseball lover, as many of us are. And um, Opening day, still an exciting day for you on the sports calendar? Yeah, it is. It, it might not be what it once was, but it absolutely is. I mean, I love the sport, as people know, and love all team sports, and certainly that's the one that even as a kid, I was best at. was not great at it, but certainly played in some provincial championships growing up in Saskatoon, and I uh, love the game. And, yeah, it's, you know, the, the interesting thing about today is some of the matchups, Logan, 
the Giants and the Yankees on opening day. Mm-hmm. You know, the Blue Jays and the St. Louis Cardinals. I wonder, I wonder how they arrived at that. Yeah, it's certainly a different, it's far from the traditionalist. And hey, maybe that's, you know, going with the flow of baseball. And I was talking to uh, Roger Lajoie from Sportsnet 590 in Toronto yesterday. And, you know, he said this is going to feel different for a lot of people that love the, you know, the traditional side of baseball, the matchups, even, you know, going into the feel of play, how things are going to go with the pitch clock and everything now. It's going to feel a little different this year in baseball. Yeah, it is. And, Logan, I think this opening day, like, personally feels a little different to me because, as I think you can well imagine, um, I'm not sure I could have enjoyed the World Baseball Classic more than I did. And from all the comments and, you know, there was some pretty strong stuff that came out of a lot of people who participated, whether it was U.S. manager Mark DeRosa, Adam Wainwright, um, you know, just to name a couple. It was spectacular. It really was. And when it got, you know, farther down the line, it produced some just incredible stuff. So I think for me, too, that's that's taken a little shine off of this opening day for me. Yeah, 100%. It's hard to, to go from what that atmosphere was and going from show, you know, two of the best in the game facing off for each other for a World Baseball Classic title to opening day. It's just never going to be the same, but I think baseball will be better off. And I think a lot of sports, you know, hockey, uh, hockey uh, would be a lot better if they, you know, decided to bring something like that to the table themselves. Well, you know, Logan, you know how I feel about international sports. It's my it's my number one passion. Um, in fact, it's not even really close. So um, there's just something for me so special. It brings people together. Um, you know, and, and as I watch those kind of events, obviously, you know, number one, I'm concerned about Canada. But that event in particular was just just what sports can do. How, you know, if you watched any of the pool that went on in Miami with the Dominican and Puerto Rico and the great performances by Venezuela, I mean, you're, just, you're not seeing that anywhere else. You're just not. And, and that's the part about international sport that I love. The other thing for me in the world, the way it is gone, you know, where there's so much money and it's so much about business. And frankly, it's so much about individuals' names on the back of jerseys. It was just another wonderful reminder, again, of what it can be like when people unite as a team, maybe have a bigger purpose than just playing for themselves and play for the front of the jersey, not just the back. So that's the part for me that, you know, and we need one desperately in hockey. We, we are absolutely robbing hockey fans. And I know for Gary Bedman, and I understand it truthfully from an owner's 
perspective in terms of money and business, but don't, do not forget ever about the growth of the sport and, and having young people who have a lot of choices now, a lot of choices right at their fingertips. You're, you're probably not going to watch an NHL game on a Thursday even in February, and as a youngster, be completely pulled into a sport. But you might be in those kind of events. And I think that really gets lost sometimes. And and forget about business. The players really want to do it. And I think even, you know, in hockey, not that they're all big sports fans, but don't think they missed what happened at the World Baseball Classic either. No, absolutely not. Uh, obviously, uh, Trent and Peter Labardi is color voice of the Calgary Flames, as we always do to kick things off uh, on the show. And uh, Lou, an off day today, or off day yesterday for the Calgary Flames. Back at practice today as they get set to take on the Canucks on Friday. Big game, just a one-game road trip for the Calgary Flames, but... Uh, a couple of things we wanted to talk about today, and one that's been brought up by a couple of people. I'd be curious to get your thoughts on it. Is it time for Jacob Pelche to maybe head back down to the Calgary Wranglers, in your opinion? Oh, to head down to the Calgary Wranglers. Um, you're probably getting into that ballpark. I actually thought you were going to ask me if I thought it was time to reinsert him into the Flames lineup. Hmm. Because I'm very torn. Yeah, uh, I don't necessarily see them making a change, um, and I understand exactly what they get most of the time from Brett Ritchie, and those two guys couldn't be any different as players. It's it's a great question. I I will say this: you don't you don't want them sitting too much longer, but. When I threw his name out today in our little note, one of the things I'm interested in in practice today is I certainly would not be opposed to, you know, when I think about Vancouver and what they bring to the table and the type of team that they have, it, I wouldn't see, I wouldn't mind at all if he was reinserted and played with Kadri and Dubé. Now it's, probably not what Daryl's looking for and I can certainly understand why and people would say and I get it I'm one of those people generally that says you know you just played as a team one of the best games you've played in a little while here why would you change it and so chances are they won't but when I think about the matchups of Vancouver and the kind of team they are and that, you know, even Dylan has cooled off, as in Dubé. I think we're at, you know, one point in his last seven or eight now. Nazem's playing better. He's more engaged. You know, Nick's had some good moments, for sure. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the things I've been thinking about. And so your question is very interesting and a good one. Um, it 
it's getting closer to that time for sure. But like I said, I my my train of thought, and maybe it's because I like the player so much, and I see his intelligence and his ability to get other people going. But I'm not sitting down necessarily breaking every one of his shifts apart. I don't feel like he's been a huge detriment on the wrong side of the puck. Although he did have a couple of tough ones right before he went from being a regular participant in the lineup to not being. So I remember those well. But we'll see. We'll see. It's a great question. It's a great question. What do you think? It's it's an it's such an interesting conversation because I, I'm with you in the sense that I think he can come into the lineup and have a positive impact at the NHL level. But at the same time, if that's not going to happen, I, I still think getting into games and meaningful games for the Calgary Wranglers heading into the Calder Cup playoffs, Lou, I think that's very important. I do not want the player sitting down and you know as well as anybody Lou and I, I talked to a couple people about this the last couple weeks it's not like Jacob's been you know practicing day in day out with the team they haven't had a lot of practice time the last couple weeks it's pretty much been game day off game travel mixed in there it's not as though he's getting a ton of time to you know really craft his trade with the coaches on the ice right now no but you know that those guys get put through the paces in a big way yes every single time the team is out there and frankly even on days sometimes when the majority of the group is not so but it's 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 true game repetition now he's played a lot this year let's not forget that but yes it's it's a great conversation and yeah my the moral of the story is that if, if you really don't see a path for him in right now, I don't, I don't think there's any harm in, you know, sending him down. Except the part people don't talk about sometimes is at a certain point, where is he the most valuable? And... You know, he's going to get an opportunity, likely at some point, to play AHL playoff games. Mm-hmm. Likely. It's, it's, it's a great question. It's, it's, it's an interesting one. And, in fact, it should be a question that's asked today if and when Daryl is available to the media. What's uh, his thoughts yeah. on when, on what suits Jacob best right now? And, you know, just thinking they still have the two recalls going on, Lou. They now have, you know, two extra forwards along with them. If you were to send Jacob down because Adam is still with the team, Adam Ruzichka, he hasn't played in a, while, in a bit again now. You know, Matt Coronado is with the group and can't go down to the AHL. So I just, I thought it was an interesting conversation because it's, it is. It's, it's not as one. though you're sending him down because it's been poor play. It, it's really just if there's not a spot for him to come in and, and get regular minutes, then what are we doing with the guy at this point? 
Well, it's it's it is. It's it's great. It's great chat. I love it. It's a great subject. And you know, even today, we'll see what it looks like here in a few minutes. As I'm not very far away from the building, so. Uh, and you want to talk a bit about uh, Dylan Dubé. You mentioned him there a bit. Um, it's cooled off a bit in your mind for, for Dylan the last couple of games? It, 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 well, you know, it's, it's you know, he had a stretch right before this recent one where, you know, he was a, he was a huge impact maker. Um, then he got moved around, as you know, a little bit. He had even a little bit of time at center. Um, yeah, I don't see him as being quite as impactful I think he's had one of the best seasons of anybody on the team because unlike many for me he's really taken a step but as this season goes down the stretch and it's not just about him it's about him and if he continues to be in you know, a combo or partnership with Kadri. I haven't seen a great fit there yet, yet. And so if you're going to get to the playoffs and if you're going to make things happen in the playoffs, that particular grouping still needs more. And that's not that's not on Dylan. Certainly not all on Dylan. No. It's just it, it's and the reason I brought him up was and it it's because of what I tied in with Jacob. You know, then you go from more of and, and you know, Dylan can do it all. That's the beauty of Dylan. But it becomes a different line if you threw Jacob in and removed Richie. And there's definitely, so, you know, even further back as I flush it, I do think, Logan, opponent matters. And there will be certain opponents where Richie's going to be potentially more valuable. But I also think the overriding story, even with Nick, is if that line is about being more of a big body presence, then what you hope to get over and above, and he has chipped in, he's got three goals. So we'll see where that goes. It's just, those are the things, because when I think about the sport, I'm always thinking about matchups. You know, I don't think about it quite the same way. I don't think is as simple as just who's in and who's out. I do think though very much about who you're playing, what the matchups are going to be. It's different home versus road, potentially with some utilizations, how you build your lineups. So we'll see who stays and who's inserted or if potentially we've arrived at a bit of a spot here where they keep winning, there's not going to be much change. And uh, before we go today, Lou, uh, a shout-out that you wanted to uh, to give out before uh, we're done today. Well, there's another Calgary Flames team in town that deserves a lot of recognition. 
and it's been quite a story and the story is has had a great chapter or two written in it and that is the U18 AAA Alberta Hockey League champion Calgary Flames they finished second in the regular season under the guidance of Ben Shervin and his brother one of my all-time favorite Olympians Gordy Shervin who played in 1988 um they were down in their best of three first round series, one nothing to the Royals, came back, won that best of three in double overtime in game three. They then faced the Calgary Buffaloes in a best of five in round two, trailed two games to nothing, and came all the way back to win that series. And then they took on the number one team in the north in St. Albert, and they finished a three-game sweep last night and will now move on in the quest for a national under-18 championship, not this weekend, but next weekend when they host the BC champion Okanagan Rockets in a best-of-three series. Max Heisey, Prince Albert Raider pick, who looks like he's on his way to Michigan State, has 10 playoff goals, had six in this championship series. Joshua Weave did not play last night. He led the league in both playoff points and regular season points. And frankly, I, I tried to track it down. It's not always easy to do. I really don't, and maybe somebody listening can help today, I don't remember the last time the Northwest region of Calgary, it's been quite some time, I believe, since they won the province in that age group. So congratulations to Ben Shervin, the kids, the parents, everybody involved, even a special shout-out today to my good friend at Wolf Cadillac, Vince Godet, who is a coordinator and helps out greatly in the Northwest Association and especially for Vince in that U18 group. So they're going to play Okanagan, and then if they win that series, they're going to go to the Canadian Championship that starts April 24th in St. Hyacinth, Quebec. Uh, what an incredible story. Thanks for sharing that, Lou. I always appreciate those uh, those moments from you. Uh, we will let you go for the day, sir. I know you've got Flames practice to get to, and we've got uh, a game day to break down tomorrow. So enjoy the rest of your afternoon, Lou. Thanks for the chat, as always. Thanks, Logan. Have Take a good care. one. Pete Labardius, the color voice of the Calgary Flames, down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. He joins us every single day to kick off the program. Brought to you by our friends at the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows your home renovations. They should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. Now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. Opening day is here. and There's no one else we'd rather chat to about that than our pal Adnan Verk from MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. He joins us next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Welcome back to Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you on opening day across the majors today. Games underway. The Blue Jays and the Cardinals just a few hours away from both of their season openers from St. Louis. 
We'll have it for you right here on Sportsnet 960 coming up a little bit later. But how about this? How about Jay's former manager, John Gibbons, with a message for you on opening day? Make sure that you're ready for all the festivities on one of the best sporting days on the calendar. Hey, you know what day it is? It's opening day, man. It doesn't get any better than that. Best day of the year. You can even hear the dog barking in the background. He's, he's excited, too. But anyway, I got to get my grill ready, right? Woke up this morning. I'm ready to go. Remember, nothing goes better than the baseball game than an ice cold beer. It tastes like Miller time. Doesn't get any better than that. Enjoy it. Gibby's ready to go. He's got an ice cold Miller light. I know somebody else that's ready to go. I don't know if he's got a Miller Light in hand or not, but uh, it's our pal Adnan Verk, MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast joining us on this Thursday afternoon. Verk, thanks so much for doing this, pal. How are you? I appreciate it, Logan. Thrilled to be with you, man. Opening day. It's my favorite day of the year as a baseball fan. Uh, it's just awesome. And the fact that it's a season of change for baseball and for the first time since 1968, all 30 teams playing today. Fingers crossed, no inclement weather. It's the best, man. Great to be back. You still get excitement around opening days that still have that special feel for you when we get to today? Big time. Like you, I love all sports. And in the winter, I'm happy to watch hockey, but my flyers stink. I watch some basketball. I check in on March Madness. But there's something special about baseball always for me, and specifically for opening day. Because you know, I used to always laugh. I'm like, oh, spring training is great. And then as I think as I've told you, you know, I've been to spring training a few times. And by the third inning, you're like, who the hell is number 75? So, like, <laughs> I, I like the idea of spring training more than actually watching spring training. I like hearing pitchers and catchers report February 14th, and I like hearing spring training baseball and MLB Network. But I have to be honest, I'm not, like, locked into it. But opening day, like, I'm locked in. If I was not working here, I would be on my couch watching baseball. Just as people calling sick for the first two days of March Madness, I might be calling sick for opening day. i got to be honest. I would just sit at home and just, just gorge <laughs> in the baseball. So, it's um, – it's great, man, to be able to get paid to actually be here and watching. It's great. I still get jazzed up about opening day. Did your excitement level increase for opening day after the World Baseball Classic, or did it sort of drop off because it's hard to recreate what we saw with Otani versus Trout as we head into the first day of the regular season? No, it increased. I think because the World Baseball Classic, I have to be honest, as a Canadian, I'd always watch the first two games. We'd get Trout, so we'd just move on with life. So this year, I had more of an invested interest because our good friend Mark DeRosa, teammate here at MLB Network, is the manager of Team USA. And, of course, all my family's American, so I like to yeah, obviously root for the home team here. So, unfortunately, as by the way, I saw Dero earlier today. I thanked him for you know, just beating the crap out of Mitch White and Ernie Witt's team, and he laughed. <laughs> but, unfortunately, this not great for our guys. But for Team USA, I, I can't think of a better result as a baseball fan. USA-Japan, two juggernauts, one-run game. Otani versus Trout. I mean, a screenwriter couldn't write something as good as that. And to be honest, I really started watching that quarterfinal game, I think it was. It was Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico. It was like a Friday night, 7 Eastern. I said, this is a hell of a baseball game. And both those Latin nations love and savor baseball so much that it's impossible not to feel that enthusiasm. So once it ended, I kind of rode the wave of emotion and said, wow, that was awesome. Hey, and in, you know, ten, nine more days, we're going to get baseball that actually matters. Like, that, that was great, but it is just an exhibition. Now we'll get baseball that really counts. So I think I think baseball's really in a good spot, man. Like if you look at the sport big picture wise, you know, it's easy to look at the bumps and bruises we've taken along the way. But you've got Judge, who's a superstar playing for the biggest market team and the most storied franchise in the Yankees. And by the way, he just hit a home run in his first step bat. He hit fifty two a year ago. 
You've got stories of veterans, Pujols to 700 a year ago, Miguel Cabrera's final season. You've got teams that are not accustomed to winning in the Padres, spending like their top five team. And then, as you mentioned, you've got the World Baseball Classic and these new rules, which resoundingly have been met with approval. Like That never happens in any sport. You always have a couple of dissenting opinions. There's not one person who goes, man, I, I wish they didn't bring in this pitch clock. I wish the games were still four hours long. No, everyone's like, this is going to be amazing. I, I, the average is going to be 25 minutes shorter in terms of these baseball games. Logan, sign me up for a two-hour and 35-minute baseball game. It's great. Yeah, I've loved the feel of those. I haven't gone through too many of the full ones in spring training like you. I'm, I, I love to check in for a couple innings, but the pace during those innings that I've seen already, I've loved it, uh, and I can't wait to, to get my first full one in this afternoon. I'll be checking out Jays and Cardinals, uh, of course, with the Jays being the big focus here in Calgary. Uh, very broad question, Adnan, but when you look at this season as we get going, is there a major storyline that you're watching? Is there a team that's under the most pressure or is it really, we're still waiting to develop what those are going to be this season? No, for me, it really is the Padres, Logan. And yeah. part of that is just my own desire that I hope I get to go to the World Series this year. And I'm hoping to go to San Diego in late October, early November. But even with the fact it's 70 and sunny every day, I think it's a remarkable story. San Diego is the 27th biggest media market in America. Like This is not a big market team. And yet once the Chargers left, they became a one-town team, and that town really kind of rallied around their beloved Padres, who have never won a World Series, going back to 1969, who haven't won the pennant since 1998 when they fell to the Yankees. And now, like, they're a juggernaut. Like, the way A.J. Preller spent money is amazing. Xander Bogarts, we can discuss whether or not he's worth 11 years, $280 million, but there's no denying he's an excellent shortstop, particularly offensively, and he makes that team better. My boy Nando's going to be back April 20th. Again, a full year of Soto. He added some Nelson Cruz, Matt Carpenter. Obviously, additions to their pitching staff. Like They're better than the Dodgers on paper, and they might be the best team in the National League. So I, I think it's amazing to see a team spending as if they are the Mets or the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Red Sox teams we're accustomed to seeing do that. But I hope they're able to deliver. I mean, certainly their pitching staff, when you look at Blake Snell and Nick Martinez and hopefully Michael Walker can bounce back, and of course you, Darvish and Joe Musgrove, you know, there's definitely options there for Bob Melvin's team. So I'm curious if San Diego is going to match the hype and match all the spending they did this offseason. Are the Houston Astros still the team to beat when it comes to the American League in your mind? Yeah, I think the Astros are just, God, you look at their team, and I'm trying to find some weaknesses. And my friend and colleague Robert Flores here is an Astros guy, and he was like, well, you know, the Altuve absence will be felt the first month of the season. I said, but you added Jose Abreu. Like, it's ridiculous. This yeah. guy, all he does is drive and runs the last three seasons. And I think very quietly, Logan, like I don't know enough people realize that, hey, Abreu's with the Astros, the team that won the World Series, added a guy who's going to just drive in 100 RBI seemingly very much with ease, especially in that lineup. So they add him. Yeah, you lose Berlander, who won the Cy Young, had a 1.75 ERA a season ago. And McCullers is out for a little bit. But when you look at what Fran Valdez can bring to the table, Christian Javier, Jose Arquiti, Luis Garcia, like they've got plenty of arms there. And the offense is obviously well-spoken for. Even with Altuve out, they've got the likes of Bregman and so many others who, who are just able to dominate. I mean, when you look at what Jordan Alvarez can do, I mean, he's always going to be in the MVP conversation and it's so critical for them. Now, I've heard some whispers, maybe Seattle can overtake them. I think the Mariners are a potential playoff team. I think the Oscar Hernandez trade was great for them. We know that from watching the Jays, 27 home runs a season ago. He does offer length for that lineup. But I still think Houston's a team to beat. Like every other team, you can see their potential weakness. Like I'd love to say the Yankees 
uh, the team to beat in the American League, but already they're dealing with injuries. Like Rodon's out, you know, Frankie Montas is out, Luis Severino's out. Already the games haven't even started yet, and their pitching's being tested. So Houston looks to me top to bottom the strongest team. Is the AL Central maybe the hardest division to get a read on as far as who's going to come out of there? I know that the Royals and Tigers are you know going to be at the bottom of that division, but between the White Sox, the Guardians, and the Twins, I'm not sure that you can find much difference between any of those three teams and then. Oh, that, that's where it gets tricky is, you know, the American League Central, when you look at it, you go, you know, who really is going to be the, the beast of this division? You know, the Guardians a season ago really was the team that not much was expected. As usual, Cleveland has a low payroll, but they maximize their talent. They've got an unbelievable manager, Terry Francona, who gets the most and maximizes their talent. And now they're not going to be surprising anybody. They won 92 wins a year ago. They pushed the Yankees to five games. So I think the Guardians are still the team. But the White Sox, if you just look at pure talent, they should have won the division a year ago. So, they, you know, Liam Hendricks is obviously the horrible story there. She's battling cancer, hopefully back at some point. But the White Sox have talent. They just haven't been able to put it together. Um, and then the Twins, by virtue of the fact that they signed Correa, that just feels like a huge move. Mm-hmm. I still think their pitching isn't quite good enough. Although getting Pablo Lopez, you know, they had to deal from a position of strength. Luis Arise was the batting champion a year ago. They traded him for Pablo Lopez. That definitely beefs up their starting core. But when you look at that American League, the Astros, as you mentioned, are the team to beat. The Mariners, I think, will be formidable in the West. Essentially, you feel like whatever team wins that division, it's the weakest division. And then, of course, the AL East, it's going to be the Jays, the Yankees, the Rays, the Orioles. And don't even sleep on the Red Sox. You're going to have five teams at least around 500. It's crazy. Um, deeper division this year in your mind, the NL West or the AL East? I'll go AL East. I think NL West is top heavy. Like I think Padres Dodgers is going to be incredible, but I don't think the Giants are going to get back to where they want to be and where they were two years ago when they won 107 games. I think they needed to make a big signing, a splashy player. They whiffed on Judge, they whiffed on Correa. You know, they had to settle for some lesser moves here. And I just don't think that the Giants are really going to be able to compete. Logan Webb getting the call today, by the way, for the Giants against the Yankees. He's a really good pitcher. Um, but I think the AL East really is the one because the Yankees won 99 games a year ago, and the Rodon addition to me was worth at least another win. So I know that's 100 wins. The Jays feel like a team that still got better because they focus more on run prevention. You know, they're getting Kiermaier and Varsho now defensively helps them. Getting Swanson in that bullpen will really help out Romano. I think Manoa is a stud. I think he's going to win the Cy Young. I mean, he was top three a year ago, so why can't he just win it this year? Um, hopefully, Barrios can bounce back. Kikuchi had a great spring. So, Jays win 93-94. Um, the Rays, you never want to discount them. They've got a great one, too. McClanahan and Glass now. Somehow, someway, they're always going to score runs with Arena and others. The Orioles have Gunnar Henderson, who I'm picking to win Rookie of the Year. And we saw how good Adley Rutschman was a year ago, so they're only going to get better. And then there's the Red Sox, who, again, I think by virtue of the other teams finished last in that division, but they still have a good offense. They still have Rafael Devers. You know, maybe they can have some other teams that can, like Masataka Yoshida. We don't know what to expect from him, but my colleague Chris Young thinks he might win the batting title. So Boston's always going to score runs. I just don't think their pitching is good enough. I'd like to see Chris Dale actually throw 20, 25 starts. Mm -hmm. But to me, that entire division is a bear. And it's important to note, Logan, the fact that now there's no more of the unbalanced schedule. So rather than facing those teams 19 times, now it's going to be 13 times. And that will help all of those teams rather than cannibalizing each other. They can try to feast on the competition. A couple on the Blue Jays, the team that we focused on the most here in Calgary, obviously, Ed, and 91 and a half seems to be the common number around uh, the sports books for wins 
uh, for the Jays this year. If you were a betting man and you had to go over or under that number, where would you lean towards? I'm going to take the over. I, I think the Jays are a 93 win team. You know, I, I think that a lot has to go right. I, I think there is going to be some concerns offensively by losing to Oscar and Griel. But to me, the key player for this team is George Springer. They signed him to that $150 million contract expecting an impact bat, and it really hasn't been the case because he hasn't been healthy enough. You thought he'd be the center fielder in Toronto for years to come, and now all of a sudden he's already got moved to a corner outfield spot as Kiermaier will likely be the center fielder. George will be in right field, and um, you're going to have Dalton Barcer in left. So I really think Springer, it's put up or shut up. He's got big money. He's got to have a big season for them. We know that Vlad's can produce. We know what Bo Bichette can do. We know Matt Chapman will hit 30 home runs and play great defense. But they're going to have to have other guys. Alejandro Kirk obviously can start quite a bit, but then I see like a Kevin Bijo step up and, and assume the mantle of being a player that can be effective for them as well. Whit Merrifield in the mix too. So I think the Jays are not a win team. Like I, like I said, Noah Gossman, um, that to me is, is really strong. Bassett's going to be a really good number three. Barrios hopefully bounces back. Kikuchi at five. One of those guys will get hurt, but Ryu could be back in June. And again, Swanson helps Romano in that bullpen makes them better. I'll take the Jays the over. I want to talk around the Jays after the strong spring for Kevin Gosman is that they might have one of the best one-twos in baseball if both guys remain healthy. Would you put Manoa and Gosman up among the best duos in starting pitchers in the league, Adnan? Yeah, it's not like the two teams that do names that jump out to you. You know, if I if you just said top starting pitchers immediately, I'd say uh, Scherzer Verlander. You know, that that to me is obviously guys who have great reputations and have been around the block, but. Manoa was top three signing a year ago at Gosman, I think a year ago with the Giants prior to signing with the Jays, he was top five. So when you have two guys who are perennially in the mix of the Cy Young, there's no question that that can really solidify your rotation and it makes things a whole lot easier for John Schneider. Of course, health is always of paramount importance, but both those guys, I mean, really dedicated towards being in shape and, and getting things done. Manoa is a big boy, but I'm like, he, he can definitely throw some weight around and he's been durable in the past and late to league and hit batsmen. So he's got the, the feisty side to him, even though he's a teddy bear off the field. And Gossman's got that great splitter. I mean, I, I just love watching pitchers that throw a great splitter like him and Shohei Otani. That pitch just dives and goes out of the zone. So those two together should be fun. And as I said, Bassett could be a really good number three for them. He was very effective for them a year ago. Not too much pressure as a number three starter. Barrios, you have to hope that contract comes through. I mean, you paid him $130 million. You thought he'd be, if not an ace, a 1B, a, you know, a number two kind of guy. He said he's a number four. So. Hopefully he can deliver, but yeah, those top two are pretty special. Yeah, interesting on Barrios, how quickly things change. This time last year, he was their opening day starter, enters the rotation fourth this year, and like you said, still big money on that contract, and with Hunjin Ryu entering on the, you know, IL, the IL I should say, with um, you know Tommy John recovery, there's just not a lot of depth for this Jays team, and you got to wonder if Barrios and Kikuchi can't be what they, the Jays are hoping for. It could be one of those areas. Starting pitching is just always so tough to come by, Adnan. Yeah, I mean, we've long gone from the days where you could have five starters. You'd have like eight starters, yeah. nine starters, right? Like, it's it's virtually impossible you're going to be able to have a guy stay healthy from the start to finish. So I think that, that's definitely a concern, not just for the Blues, but for all teams. Uh, Adnan Verk along with us on our Thursday chat uh, just happens to come on opening day for the Major League Baseball season. And uh, a couple more for you here, Verk. I'm curious if you feel... Uh, the same as a lot of the sports books do, that Shohei Otani uh, is the runaway favorite when it comes to your AL MVP candidates on opening day. Yeah, I mean, Otani, I, I myself, for my predictions, picked him winning MVP. I don't know how you can bet against him. Like, 
He's going to make $56 million this year, $30 million in arbitration, $26 million in endorsements. Um, he's just a phenomenal player. You start to run out of adjectives when it comes to Otani because as a pitcher, he's top five in the American League, and as a hitter, he's top ten. Like mm-hmm. it's, Maybe the top ten is a little high, but I think Otani does best as a guy that can slug a ton of home runs and he can also strike up batters with the likes of Garrett Cole or any other number of pitchers. So it's amazing to think about how special he is, how rare he is, and how much he's going to command with whichever team he goes to. Because I don't think the Angels are going to be able to re-sign him. I don't think they're going to have a great season. So they're going to realize around midway through the year, hey, where's Otani going to go? Where can we get some stuff? The Mets are certainly going to be in the mix for Otani next offseason. So you can just imagine Mets fans clamoring and saying, okay, go ahead give up one top-level prospect, an everyday player, go get him right now so he can be seduced by New York and playing for the Mets <laughs> for a couple of months, and then we'll give him $500 million and he can be all ours. I mean, that, that's the thing with Otani. One, how special will he be this season? Again, he'll have to start tonight on MLB Network against the A's. And the second bigger question, where is he going to go? Because I don't know if anybody thinks he's staying with the Angels. Who would you rather start a franchise with right now, Verk? Gunnar Henderson or Corbin Carroll? You know, Corbin Carroll, number two prospect in baseball, and I've been looking at I think if you look at the betting favorites, he's the guy right now, the favorite, to win the Rookie of the Year, and he's going to be great. I'm going with Kodai Senga, by the way, a 30-year-old Mets okay. pitcher. I'm going to try, yeah, take a little shot there. Hopefully it's a great year. He'll be number three, by the way, on that Mets team. So yep. he's got that go sport pitch. will be really good. But I'll go with Gunnar Henderson. I had the pleasure of talking to him once. interviewed him. Really professional guy. Smart, well-spoken, down to earth. I said to him, "I go, that's the hell of a name you got, just Gunnar Henderson." And he kind of <laughs> laughed. He said, "Yeah." I said, "I said, you just knew in life you had to be somebody important. You could just be some accountant named Gunnar Henderson. You had to be an athlete." Said, oh, yes, sir, yes, sir. I appreciate that. You know, good country boy. Um, but he's he's really going to be fun for Baltimore. Plays with a lot of enthusiasm. You know, hard on his sleeve kind of guy. And we've been hearing for a few years right now how he's going to be a core piece of this Orioles team. Got great flow. I mean, that that Baltimore team should be fun. They're going to be around 500, I think. And Henderson, I think, will be a key part of their success. Him with Rushman together is going to be a really fun one, too, to watch at Camden Yards. How disappointing is it for a Phillies fan heading into this year? Uh, you could be right in that division with Atlanta and New York, but it's going to be tough to overcome Reese Hoskins and Bryce Harper dealing with some major injuries there. Devastating injury. You know, of all the injuries to be suffered at the start of the season, before we've even begun the year, I think Diaz is the most problematic of the Mets because he's an automatic closer. Yep. But there's certainly other ones as well. Altuve being out for a month, Rodon, how long his injuries up, the Yankees. And then you mentioned Reese Hoskins. I mean, that's done for the year. That's not just like a month or two. That's the guy who's a really key piece for them offensively. And they already have to deal with the fact that Bryce Harper is not going to be available because he's out due to Tommy John. He may not be back until June. So it's frustrating, man. You know, when you look at the World Baseball Classic, you have those that didn't care for it, bemoaning it, saying, Look at the injury to Diaz, Altuve, even Freddie Freeman had a pulled handy there playing for Canada. But ultimately, injuries happen. As we saw, the Hoskins injury happened during a spring training game. So it's, it's unavoidable, but it's also very unfortunate and frustrating for the Phillies. But good news is they got Trey Turner, gave him $300 million. I think he'll be in the MVP mix. He is poised to have a massive season after hitting some huge bombs for the USA at the WBC. Uh, we've touched on a little bit of everything here on opening day, but uh, before we let you go, Verk, tell me about this uh, new show you've got going on with Harold Reynolds at the MLB Network. Oh, thanks for asking, Logan. I appreciate that. Lou Baricelli, our PR guy, will be thrilled. It's <laughs> me and Harold, MLB tonight, first pitch. It's going to be 6 o'clock Eastern on weekdays. Today we did the show at noon because, of course, opening day, all the games are beginning at 1 o'clock Eastern, and we're doing post-game once the Yankees-Giants game is over. But, yeah, Monday through Friday, 6 o'clock Eastern, me and Harold, 
we will set the night up for everybody in the best way that we know how. So the best matchups as far as pitchers and hitters concerned, but also using all the bells and whistles. We have an awesome crew here at the network. I think visually it's going to be fast. It's going to be really move quickly. I think we're going to try to get as many players as we can from the ballparks and have them on the show. Harold's really good at doing demos and, you know, breakdowns in studio 42. So yeah, man, I know it's going to be a little bit four o'clock uh, local time there in Calgary, but I think if someone's going to be getting home for a, Early shift, pop us on. We'll be the way that uh, you'd like to get set up for the night's action. It's going to be a lot of fun. Congratulations, man. Uh, so happy to see that. Can't wait to uh, to tune in and see what you and Harold got going on this season. Thank you, as always, for the time, Burke. I know we went all over the map, but the opening day is just an exciting time for everybody. Uh, go enjoy the day of baseball, man. We'll chat with you again next week, hey? Logo, I appreciate you always. And next week on Cinefile, we have to talk Jim Belushi and Jeremy Piven. I've interviewed both of them, mm. a special comedy edition of Cinefile. So hopefully... I know you always listen, but next week, hopefully, we'll get that episode out, and we'll talk about it on Thursday. Can't wait. Take care, Paul. Have a great week, eh? Thanks, Logo. Take care. Take care. Ed Nanverk, MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast, joining us every Thursday down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Really appreciate, Verk, making time on a busy day, opening day across the major leagues. Baseball is already happening, uh, and you mentioned you would have heard at the beginning of the chat there as we were getting ready to bring Adnan on. Uh, Cam, we had to push him back because he was doing an MLB Network update because Aaron Judge has already hit his first home run of the season. So, Vark just give me give me 30 seconds and we'll be there. Uh, it was because of this home run in New York. That one's driven to center field and deep. Yastrzemski back, still back, on the track, at the wall. See ya! He picks up where he left off. A home run for Judge. one nothing Yanks. Yeah, so Aaron Judge still knows how to crush baseballs, apparently. So Just back to work. Yeah, nothing, nothing's changed. He's just making a lot more money than he was last year. Um, but yeah, that's what happens. All of a sudden, I hear, hear Cam and I go, he's just going to do a, a, an Aaron Judge update, and then we'll be right with you. Like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, that's already happening. Yankees up one nothing on the Giants. Uh, ironically enough, remember a tweet in the offseason that uh, Aaron Judge was set to be a member of the San Francisco Giants. How, uh, how times have changed. They're now trailing... Uh, the Yankees won nothing that game uh, on Sportsnet won this afternoon. If you'd like to tune in to some baseball ahead of the Jays and the Cardinals, reminder, we'll have the Jays and Cardinals for you right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan coming up a little bit later on this afternoon. We'll take you to pregame and uh, we'll jump into the 210 first pitch from St. Louis with Alec Manoa making the start for the Blue Jays on their season opener. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll dive more into the Blue Jays uh, with the play-by-play voice of the Jays, Ben Wagner. He joined Russick and Rose in the morning to give us a Blue Jays season preview. Uh, some stories from Ben as how spring training went. Uh, some excitement around the new rules. We'll hear from him next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.